Welcome to the Pokescast. I'm Ryan Thorburn of the Casper Star Tribune. You can read all of my Wyoming coverage at trib.com. Follow me on Twitter at by underscore Ryan Thorburn. Welcome back, Legends of Laradice. What's going on? Rob Jarosh, Brett Hansen, John Mortimer. What is what's going on, guys? Hi, gentlemen. How's the weather up north? I came from Denver on Wednesday. Flew in. I was in Mexico. The drive from Dem- from Cheyenne to Casper was the scariest drive I've ever been on in 50 years of driving that. It was it was solid ice. I was going about 23 miles an hour. Found myself sideways three times. I can't believe that road was open. How long did it take? Six hours. Oh. Yeah, that's a four-hour drive. And I got to Cheyenne in record time. It was it was a white knuckler, man. It was terrifying. Well, you guys didn't have the pleasure of driving back from Clune Arena and uh, surviving that, which the basketball team barely did, getting trapped on Al Canyon Road like a bunch of rookies. So uh, that's kind of the season in a nutshell. Should we touch on Wyoming basketball briefly? They're one and seven in the Mountain West. They just lost to UNLV. And still no Graham E.K. Rob, any hope? Should we pay attention to this anymore? I still have hope, Ryan. Good to see you again. Um, I mean, there's some silver linings, I guess. Uh, Noah Reynolds is really emerging as a as a go-to player. Um, he needs to limit his turnovers. You know, him and Maldonado are both averaging almost three turnovers a game. Um I love to watch Ethan Anderson drive to the basket. That guy's, he reminds me a lot of Sean Dent. Um, little strong, powerful guy that can really, he's quick. He's got a quick first step and can get to the bucket. You know, and Ducell and Wenzel, when we get him back, they can both shoot. Um, I just, the defense against UNLV was atrocious. And and I think one of the things, obviously without EK, we're missing a post presence on defense. And nothing against you know hunter and and nate um but those guys just aren't they're just not post defenders and so without ek we have no defense um in the paint and uh and that makes it tough so i I, i'm hopeful i think that the schedule sets up where we've got a chance to win a couple games here maybe three in a row san jose state's improved but we've got fresno at home and then san jose state on the road and unlv at home so who knows maybe we get hot by the way you guys had Great numbers on the first podcast uh, went down a little bit. The second one, but uh, I was looking at the analytics. We did have one listener from San Jose. Who do you think that was, Mort? Tim Miles, maybe. <laughs> I think it He's was Tim Miles. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that road trip. Obviously, uh, the Barry is awesome. Rob, you mentioned the turnovers, but. Wyoming only had six turnovers against UNLV and UNLV's second nationally enforcing turnovers. Xavier Ducell hits six threes. Noah Reynolds, 23 points. Hunter Thompson, nine defensive rebounds. Uh, and they still lose by, what, 14? Uh, they're 306th nationally in defensive efficiency, uh, 303rd in defending the three. And they're actually 77th in, you know, effective field goal percentage. A lot of numbers there more, but the bottom line is they're pretty good at offense, good enough to beat teams like San Diego State. 
but they can't defend. Why is that? I I don't have any idea. I mean, well, first of all, let's back up. Why why were they on Al Canyon Road in the first place? I don't. I'll never understand <laughs> that. You beat me uh, to the punch. <laughs> rookie move. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been on that road twice, and I'm not sure why you take that back to Laramie. Anyway, I don't know why they struggle defensively. I mean, we can talk about all the injuries and sickness and down to eight scholarship players and, you know, how that affects practice with your walk-on players. But to me, defense is all about effort. Um, and if you are struggling like that and you have that adversity, the one thing that you should be able to do is crank up your your defensive attitude and you can make a difference that way. So it's disappointing to me. I don't know why we can't stop anybody and uh, we're shooting the ball better. We're scoring enough points to win, but I, I, I don't get it. I, I wish I could hear something from somebody that explains why their effort on the defensive side of the ball is poor. And it's, that's what's frustrating to watch right now. It's, it's you know I can accept the other hardships that we've had this year, but when you go out and you just don't perform on the defensive end, there's nothing really to stop you from doing that. Uh, you know it's heart and effort, and it, I'd like to see more of it. And we're going to need to see more of it if we're going to you know turn it around, especially without Graham. Yeah, it was a two dollar beer night at Thomas and Mac, and after the game, Lender looked like he could have used a two dollar beer for sure. Um, you know, I mean, he's frustrated, obviously, said the players need to take accountability, but he's getting paid the big bucks now, and he's known as a, a defensive coach. I mean, part of it has got to be, you know, getting more out of these guys. I mean, you look at Jeremiah Oden, Max Ogbonk Polo, these guys are long athletes. Like, they should be in passing lanes doing things, and, you know, Oden has been – a no-show in the last couple games. You know, he took an air ball three after they had cut it to five. And then Max can't even get on the court, which means obviously he's not bringing it in practice or or something. So uh, I thought they'd be really good at defense. You know, I think Ethan Anderson can stay in front of people. You know, uh, it, it's a huge disappointment. Brett? Doesn't, doesn't it seem like they give up so many wide-open threes? There's no rotation? I, I don't understand it and was – uh, it's frustrating to me. Yeah, I mean, certain guys like, you know, Najee Smith of Boise State or the Air Force Big, you know, the game plan was, okay, we're going to let these guys shoot threes because they haven't hit any all year, and then they light Wyoming up. Other times, like UNLV, you out, you have great shooters that get open at timely, uh, timely parts of the game and, and just kill you with threes, and you know, I know the McCabe one was from about half court, but most of them were in rhythm and open. Brett, uh, I think you could hit some threes against Wyoming this year. I don't know. I struggle in that part of my game as well. But I think a lot of it also has to do with the inconsistency in the lineups. I mean, a lot to do with defense is knowing where your teammate's going to be, where that help side's going to be. And I just think there's been so many different lineups. It's just it's just tough to really know where you are, what your role is, and what your teammate's going to do. It takes a lot for a team to work together. And when you have different guys on the court all the time, injured guys that don't play, I, I think that adds a lot to it as well. Not looking to make excuses, but there is something to that as well. Speaking of lineups, uh, Colorado State game – UNLV game, Grammy K is wearing tennis shoes, no boot. 
He's dancing around before the games, you know, walking normal. It would appear to me that his injury has healed and that, you know, whatever decision he's going to be making is, is going to be happening. I would guess this week with a week between games, this would be the time to get him practicing again, get him, you know, ready for a game or at least to, to make an appearance in a game. Uh, my guess is if he plays this coming Tuesday against Fresno state, you know, that they can do some damage. And if he doesn't play, then my guess is he's not going to play this year. Rob, do you agree with that? Well, Ryan, if you could get his class schedule, um, I'm over in Laramie teaching on Mondays and Wednesdays, and I'll just uh, camp out outside his classroom and walk Prexy's pasture with him and ask him. Graham told me he's a Zoom guy. I mean, oh, I think students okay. are allowed to still do Zoom. Okay. It's like, hey, I'd rather do Zoom than, uh, you know, walk in that wind to class. Well, I know he's a Zoom guy, but I'm not. But no access, right? They're not giving you any access to him to ask him. Not, not, no, not yet. I think they just want, you know, there's a lot of pressure on him. I, I'm thinking to make a decision. Um, what kind of condition is he going to be in though when he comes back? Well, I mean, that's the thing that that that's why Ryan's question is the right one. I mean, if if he, if he's going to come back, it's got to be soon. He can't just show up and play in the Mountain West Conference yeah. tournament. That, that, I think that's it takes. I can't remember if it in. was Sundance Wicks or one of the assistants. I think was calling him uh, Michael Phelps because. He's been in the pool swimming, you know, for weeks as part of conditioning. I don't, you know, yeah, I've tried to swim laps before. It's very, it's, it's a, a lot different than running and jumping and defending, getting up and down. But it is quite a workout. Mort, I know you're a big swimmer. <laughs> Only to the pool bar, Ryan. <laughs> and I drank about 8,000 beers at the pool bar last week. So, and I'm also trying to figure out, Hanson, what part of your basketball game is good because i don't think there is a part of your game that's any good uh, i've kept really good stats over the years and wrote <laughs> written some darn good game notes and that was kind of the apex of my basketball career all right well that's something to look forward to my hunch is tuesday night could either be a, a turning point for wyoming if ek's back or that, that maybe he's decided it's not worth it this year i, I would think he's coming back next year though based on not being able to play this year. So, you know, I know it's unfortunate that him and Maldonado didn't team up again this year, but if you have Graham E.K. back this year with what Noah Reynolds is doing, Xavier Dussel, some of these guys, I mean, I I would think Linder would have a nice bounce back next year. Hey, in this season of doom and gloom, let's – tip the cat to the fans who showed up to that CSU game. I mean, that that looks like the double-A needs to look. That looked really good. It came across well on television. I know you were there, but just from a TV standpoint, watching it in my living room in Phoenix, it looked good. And, uh, you know, like I kind of got on the fans a few weeks ago about not showing up, but that was awesome for a team that's been struggling. And that's I'd love to see more of that. And that was really, really good. Yeah, it felt like last year and it, looked like what we thought every game this year would look like. Uh, I think even with, if EK was playing, I think they would have a number of sellouts even. So um, before we move on to uh, some other topics, just quickly, Rob, uh, did you catch the Cowgirls last night? They were down 18 in the second quarter and then outscored the uh, Utah State squad by 30 over the last 23 minutes to pull out a nice win. 
That was a big win. It was a lot bigger than people think. Um, I know Utah State's what one and seven, one and eight in the conference, but they were on a mission at the beginning of that game. And like you said, they were up 18. And they weren't just up 18, but then Quinn Weideman went down at the end of the second quarter. And so things looked pretty bleak. And then to outscore the Aggies by 30 from that point on, that's a big win. Um, and it was a total team. You know, I'm a big Quinn Weideman fan, but without her, that was an incredible team effort. I mean, Fertig is really quickly becoming one of my favorite cowgirls of all time. She had another double-double. And Melima, who I know you like, um, 15 points and five steals. That's Five steals is pretty amazing. That's Sean Dent, uh, Prince of – we might have to start calling her the princess of Pilfer after those five steals. And then Peterson had 10, and Tommy Olsen, I think she had eight or 10. Um, so – yeah, they beat the last place team in the conference, but the way they did it was pretty impressive. I thought it was really impressive. Yeah, Melum is going to be a star. We've talked about Ferdig. Good transition to the next topic because I don't know, if, Rob, if you watched the stream of that, but it was obviously Utah State announcers. And I think it was the kid from uh, Wyoming, the, the stud, J.C. Carroll, that played at Utah State. But you know, he was calling her fatigue and it was <laughs> such a homer call, which is fine. I mean, it's their team, it's their stream, but, uh, you know, I, I had a chance to catch up, uh, with Gloria Navarra as the new Mountain West commissioner when she was in Laramie last weekend. And I asked her Brett's suggested question about the talent at the Mountain West network. Uh, she didn't really address the talent. She just said, you know, it's great production and they're looking to monetize it, but that would be a help if the Mountain West network, uh, had more even like one school will have great broadcasters. The next will be just a farce. Um, did you guys read the Q and a with the new commissioner? Do you have any impressions of her at this point? Mort? Well, I think that she needs to get a little more familiar with the conference and the trophy games that we have. I thought that was pretty interesting. I think that if you're taking that position, you, you familiar yourself with, with with teams in your league, so that was a little concerning to me that she didn't have that, uh, <laughs> you know, in her repertoire yet. So, well, yeah, we'll see. I asked her about the border war, and she said that she saw a boot or something and wasn't sure what sport that was, but she'll figure that out real quick. She did yeah. attend the basketball game, which you know was a great atmosphere. You know, I know a lot of people didn't like Craig Thompson, but I felt like he kept the con the the Mountain West alive, at least during the 2011 expansion, when it was, there was a chance that it could have been doomed there. Uh, when you look at, you know, Utah and BYU defecting and Boise state and TCU briefly joining the big East and, and all that stuff, I think his legacy, you know, fighting for the 12 team playoff and, and being a big part of that is, is huge as well. And I know that when he, that finally passed is like, okay, it's time to go. Um, Brett, what what do you think the number one to do thing on Gloria's to do list should be? Well, first of all, she gets bonus points for calling it Laradice. So had had me at the top. Good work with that Q and A. Um, the concerns about NIL, I thought those were valid. You know, she says they need some guardrails. You know, the schools need to get a little bit more looped in on that. It's becoming pay for play. 
And that's not what it was originally intended to be. And I think it, it hurts schools like Wyoming. It hits, it hurts the smaller conferences. And it sounds like that's going to be one of her priorities is try to work on that. But ultimately it's going to be what can happen to football and then what happens to basketball. She said she wants to think outside the box. So let's go get a couple teams. Who those teams are? I don't know. North Dakota State's been talked about. I think in this day and age, unless you're being progressive and going after those teams, you're going to get left in the dust. So hopefully that outside the box thinking does include some expansion. Yeah, my- I, Brian, I like I, I just going to add on to what Brett said. Um, I agree with two things that he said that I think are important. First of all, NIL is going to be huge. It's just going to continue to be a big uh, issue. I like her legal background. I like the fact that she's a lawyer and she's got that training um, because that regulatory scheme is going to be pretty important. And it's going to be pretty important to do whatever we can to protect schools like a Wyoming, um, a smaller school that just doesn't have the kind of money that some of the donors from the bigger schools have to throw a player. So I like that part of her background. I like that she ran a conference. She ran the West Coast Conference. I think that's a big deal. And I really liked what she said about conference expansion, which Brett just touched on. She said she's willing to think outside the box. I think you asked her something along the lines of whether expansion has to be tied to football programs. And she basically said everything's on the table. And I think that's the right approach. It's it's just a new world. And you have to have someone that's willing to to do things. I would love to see her use that West Coast Conference ties and get some basketball only members. I mean, obviously Gonzaga was talked about a couple of years ago. That's if what I mean. Get that on the table. That would be that would be awesome for the Mountain West and just strengthen our league. So that that would love her to see to make those kind of plays if she can. Yep. I agree. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the Big Twelve tried to get Gonzaga for basketball. But you wonder if Gonzaga, you know, looks at the travel in that league and is looking for a happy medium between, you know, just dominating their current conference to, you know, being pushed in the Mountain West Conference by, you know, some of the the traditional powers in basketball in the Mountain West. Of course, you know, the elephant in the room is my guess is San Diego State is going to be leaving the Mountain West for the Pac-12. We'll see if the presidents of the Pac-12 can, can stomach adding a state school, you know, to join Stanford and Cal or not. But I think at this point in time, academics are no longer, uh, you know, you can't hold your nose up at academics anymore. You, you need to look at the the athletics. And obviously, San Diego State with their football stadium and their basketball program. Brett, you worked there. You think they're gone? I don't know. I think adding anything's possible. If USC and UCLA can go to the Big Ten, anything's in play. I just don't see that as a pack. 12 school. I mean, look at their football attendance this year. I mean, is is that what you want? I mean, basketball is good outside of that. I I just don't, I don't see the Pac-12 really going that route. I'm I'm sure I'm wrong. I don't know anything, but you know, if I'm the Pac-12, I'm going after some bigger schools, try to get somebody out of Texas, a couple teams out of there and go that direction. Yeah. That's the thing about expansion. We're almost out of schools that, you know, are worthy of that sort of thing. I mean, I know Boise State and San Diego State think they're Pac-12 teams, and maybe they are in the diluted Pac-10 now without the LA market. But you know, ten years ago, no shot for them. Um, I saw nice. I saw a nice little pamphlet from CSU that they thought they were, you know, Big Twelve. Yeah, they were going to the Big Twelve last round. I thought, but <laughs> that didn't pan out. You know, I think they're they may be going straight toward the uh, SEC at this point, based on last season. I mean, they that football program. Wow, let's go ramming. 
<laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's always interesting. I, the thing is, I mean, if San Diego State is invited to the Pac-12, my guess is the the current members, Oregon and Washington, those type of teams are going to say, okay, we got our new media deal and we're each going to be making $35 million and San Diego State, you can jump on board too and you're going to be making $15 million. So is that extra money, I mean, that's a lot more money than the Mountain West, is that worth going against teams that you're at a financial disadvantage against? You know what I mean? So that's something they're going to have to think about. Um, I was told, you know, I've been told by administrators, it's always going to be money. If you're going to get more money, you're leaving. Uh, you know, USC and UCLA, obviously with the playoff, they could have a much easier path in the Pac-12 than the Big Ten, but they're going for the money and that's that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, administrators are in a different I mean, they just think differently than than fans. And I guess, you know, that's what they get paid to do. But I just want to win. Right. And but you're right. You and schools leave because of money. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. I mean, at least in terms of competitive advantage. Right. And how competitive they can be on the on the field. It's worked out great for TCU. It's worked out pretty good for Utah. Worked out terribly for CU. But do they care all that much? Um, I don't know. I would care if I was a CU fan. Yeah. Um, the 12 team playoff is going to save the Mountain West and schools like Wyoming, in my opinion. I think there would be a real problem if it was going to remain at four or, you know, there was more radical conference expansion. I think now the Mountain West has no excuse with the teams the American is losing, which is all their best football teams. You need to be the fifth or sixth best conference and have your champion go to the playoff. And then you, you have no complaints. No matter what seed you are, you have a shot. Mort, concur? I do concur. I think it's great. I mean, the, the access to that playoff is what players want. They want to believe that they can win a national championship. So uh, it was huge for our conference and for the University of Wyoming to be able to recruit that way. Um, Rob said everyone, you know, schools are leaving for money. And unfortunately, so are players now. So we've got to figure out a way to dr- address that going forward. Yeah, I mean, do you guys think, I mean, Rob, you have nice season tickets. I'm sure you other got, guys are supportive when you can be. But for Wyoming fans, is it a choice between supporting the athletics department and NIL or – do you think there's ever going to be a collective at Wyoming that actually uh, gives players money to stay at Wyoming? The collective is the name of the game now, but people have a hard time donating to that, knowing that the yeah. players could take your money and then be gone in a year. So would you rather give it to the school and give it to the athletic department where you know it's going to go directly towards some fund or to the players that may not even be there in a year? And I think that's the one thing that the donors – they're having a hard time wrapping their hands around heads around. Well, and I think maybe just as important to fans, I think, is let's say you've got X amount of money and you give it to NIL instead of collect you know to uh, the collective instead of to the athletic department. You're not getting the benefit from the athletic department of the better season tickets or the better parking pass or the free entry into hospitality. So I think that's the real you know one of the real issues there is most. Most, if they can't do both and they've got to choose, they're going to they're going to do what helps 
get them a better experience, which is those kinds of things. Most people are going to decide they want to contribute to the athletic department. So they get those better seats. And Rob, it's not a tax deductible donation. You might be a little better. I mean, is this a function that the Cowboy Joe Club could take on? I mean, it, could they combine those, the NIL with the Cowboy Joe Club? Right now, the university is not allowed to have any involvement in any way in setting up the NILs or anything like that at all. It all has to be done by uh, privately. They're all separate entities. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of the issue. Gloria said was that the university doesn't isn't allowed to have association with these groups. So you see things like at Florida, where this collective gets a contract for this five star quarterback. Like, hey, dude, here's your contract, thirteen mil. And I'm sure the coach at Florida is like 13 mil <laughs> for this guy. I mean, we want him, but, and then the contract falls through and the coach looks like good luck to the coach trying to get the next five-star quarterback. Now that that deal has fallen through, yep. uh, I think the smartest power five team I've seen you know, with this whole thing is Michigan. Theirs is called the one more year collective and what did they do? They targeted four or five of their best players from this year's team that could have, you know, left for the NFL and they're coming back. So uh, I think if you're Wyoming, that would be the small area where you would, if you were to do a collective, like, okay, let's uh, make sure Graham EK comes back instead of going to the G League next year. Yeah. But we just have such a small alumni base compared to some of those big schools that it, you need, you need bigger donors, right? This this group all putting a thousand dollars a year into a collective isn't going to move the needle, and and so that's where those bigger schools are at a huge advantage. They've got millions and millions of alumni out there, and they've got a lot more ability to raise that kind of money. That's the that's a huge challenge for the University of Wyoming. Would you rather rather put your money towards stadium renovations, facility renovations, or to somebody hopefully sticking around another year? We're going to have to learn how to do both, I think. But I was told that the Nebraska punter was making 60 grand. No, I think most of the numbers are fake. Most of the numbers are fake. You know, the first year of it, which was, you know, no one, still no one knows what's going on. But uh, John Canzano of the Oregonian got the numbers and the average deal for Oregon players that first year, all sports was like 250 to $400 type stuff, you know, which yep. is stuff like that. I think obviously Kayvon Thibodeau got a, you know, a big deal from Nike and that sort of stuff, but um, there's just not a lot of Phil Knights out there to, to Rob's point. That's why Oregon fans are so much different about the portal than Wyoming fans. Like Wyoming loses a backup offensive lineman. Everyone's like, Oh, the sky's falling at Oregon. They're like, Oh, good. Our uh, four-star recruits gone, but we can get this other guy out of the portal. Who's even better. I mean, they, they love the transactional name. At least the younger fans love it as being kind of a pro sport right now. Free agency. Exactly. All right, guys. Uh, speaking of football, next Wednesday is signing day part two. Uh, I kind of wish there was just the one signing day in February because it used to be such a big deal. And now with everyone signing in December, it's not as big a deal. And then the portal is actually more of the newsmaker than signing high school players. But, you know, not a lot has happened since the early signing day. Obviously, Wyoming, you know, has the Vandy transfer coming in, the wide receiver, uh, junior college defensive end, a junior college 
uh, cornerback. I think those are the guys that you should be excited about because they should have a chance to make an impact. They've got a long list of preferred walk-on guys announcing via Twitter, and it's hard to tell sometimes if they're on scholarship or, or uh, preferred walk-ons, but uh, Cody Crawford from Natrona and Abraham Bangura from Laramie are, are coming as preferred walk-ons. I know Ball was a little defensive that they uh, did not have any Wyoming sign- signees during the early portion, but uh, – you know, as we talked about, I think his track record's pretty good on Wyoming. Uh, did you guys uh, catch either one of these guys this this season? What do you think about these Wyoming walk-ons? Well, Ryan, I um, I saw Abraham Bangura play for Laramie for the last couple of years, and I'm pretty excited about, you know, there's a little bit of an offensive lineman um, tradition coming out of uh, Laramie High School, and I know that he developed a friendship with Garrett, with uh, with Frank, Frank the Tank Crumb, uh, whose dad Gary also played. Um, he's a big kid, Bangura. Um, my son played against him two years ago. Um, I think he's six four, and he may not be done growing vertically. He's already two hundred and fifty pounds, so that that's exciting. I, mean, I don't have any idea whether he's gonna ever see the field or not, but he might. And at six four two fifty, that kid could be six five three ten after a red shirt in a couple more years, and. And so I'm excited. I'm always excited to see the Wyoming kids uh, sign at the University of Wyoming. I know a couple of them over there, the Andrew Johnson kid who played the uh, defensive back at, at Central, hoping to get to see him play. So that that's the most exciting thing about the, the late signing period for me is seeing those two Wyoming kids. Yeah, and the track record recently of Natrona speaks for itself with Logan Wilson, obviously, being a stud. And then Jordan Bertinoli, you know, started out a small guy out of position. Now he's, you know, one of the better interior defensive linemen in the mountain West. Um, I think they're all, uh, they have that drive that the Mort started back in the, in the early nineties. Wyoming really missed on me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> they did. <laughs> well, bull wasn't here. So we can't blame bull for that one. Word. It's Tiller. It was Joe Tiller. Joe Tiller. Big miss. Big miss. You could have a statue in that stadium today, Mort. Retired number somewhere. I know. Kids wearing your jersey. <laughs> the Dembo, Fennis Dembo. Just the Mort. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining again. Um, I heard you guys even got a shout out. Cody Tucker told me you guys got a shout out on his podcast. 7220 podcast from Jared Newland. So uh, people are listening and uh, you know, they appreciate the fan perspective that you guys have. And uh, I appreciate you guys coming on again and let's do it again uh, before spring ball. Thanks for having us, Ryan. Thanks for having us, Ryan. Hey, long live the memory of Eddie Mack. We miss him. Amen. Yeah. One of our guys who would have been, a legend of Laramie died 25 years ago. And, uh, you know, and in a lot of ways, he still keeps us together because I, I mean, you have lapses where you forget and then you see an anniversary and you're like, Oh my God. But for the most part, I try to live life for Eddie. And, uh, I know you guys do too. And, uh, it's great that we all have that bond. Go find that story that Ryan wrote about him in the Super Bowl. That's yep. one of the all timers. Years ago, that was great season. stuff. All right, boys, talk to you Go later. Folks. All right, go Bengals. <laughs>